Hello and welcome to Meet Our Makers, an artist interview podcast produced in association with Beats Per Minute. I'm your host, Jeremy J. Fassett. On this episode, we get to meet Regina Spector. Regina Spector is a singer, songwriter, pianist who I have been a fan of for quite a long time, almost as long as I've been listening to music, and I was very excited that she agreed to come on and chat for a while. Now, usually, as I say to her pretty early in the chat, I get to talk to people as they are sort of about to release something or have just released something, but in our case here, Regina's last album, Home Before and After, actually came out almost exactly a year prior to our talk. But that was kind of fun. It kind of gave us a different perspective and a different avenue into this conversation. So in this chat, she and I talk quite a bit about that record, the creation of it, the release of it, the extensive touring behind it, and also what it means to her now a year later. We talk about the joys and the gifts of playing music for people, her deep love for her fans, the sometimes uncomfortable but ultimately rewarding journey toward reissuing her debut album, the very good, very strange 1111, which included poring over lots of very old material and sort of reckoning with a past version of herself. We talk quite a bit too about how her fans have been instrumental in keeping some of her older songs alive, how her enormous number of songs has led to a couple being picked here and there to be re-recorded for a new album. And in this case, with Home Before and After, the big one is Lavology. So she and I talk quite a bit about that song, as well as an older song that I had never heard of that has almost sort of been lost to the years, but she's hoping can make a comeback. We talk about a lot more in between two, It was a really lovely, fluid conversation, and and I hope you enjoy it. Before we start, I do want to remind you all that Meet Our Makers is now on Patreon, so you can go to patreon.com slash meetourmakers and become a patron for a low monthly fee. Helps me out, helps me keep creating the show I love to do, and also will give you a little bit of fun extras down the line. You can also follow us on Instagram at meetourmakerspodcast and Twitter at meetourmakerspodcast underscore. So thank you for listening. This is me meeting Regina Spector. It's interesting, though, too, because so far, I mean, I've been doing this uh, show for almost three years, actually, maybe a little over three years now. And uh, I usually get to talk to people sort of like right as they're on the precipice of releasing something. (laughs) But it's kind of nice to like (laughs) have someone on who's like not trying to like pitch anything like you're just kind of we're just going to hang out. We're going to (laughs) chat. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's funny. I think I never I think even when I'm putting things out I never really think of it as that um sort of um on versus off same as Mm -hmm. like when I'm making music or writing it's just kind of things happen throughout my life I'm like okay I'm I'm gonna speak to this person now or oh now I'm writing this song or now I'm going to this event but it's all just kind of like um integrated which I think mm-hmm. is actually really nice because um, there's always something happening. I mean, I'm I think 
yeah, in just a few days, I'm going to play this benefit um, at the Katzban Center for, and it's for ballet. And mm. then I'm going to fly to London two weeks later and play my shows there. And there's always tours or records or songs, but right. it's all just, um, you know, if you start to really delineate it, it kind of makes it strange. And if you just do one thing after another, it's just your life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. And I mean, on the one hand too, it's like when an album is on the, on the cusp of being released or has just been released, it's kind of a bit of a, a, a whirlwind that moment. So I'm kind of happy then to get you in this sort of still moment in between touring and and about a year, actually almost to the day from home before yes, and after. I know. I can't. Which is kind of a wild <laughs> thing that happened out <laughs> of sheer chance. I know. I, it makes me realize I just don't understand time. And <laughs> I always thought that someday I would, but I think I understand it less and less, actually. Um, yeah. yeah, because... Yeah, I cannot believe that was a year ago. And you're right that like that moment when things are coming out does get so kind of frazzled. But it is, I find that it is nicer to talk outside of those moments because um, I, I have this funny way of, of, of I guess, of having a dialogue that continues with journalists. But what happens is I get asked certain questions. I answer them as best as I can in the moment. Mm -hmm. But then I feel like in the next interview, all those other questions are still in my head. And it's almost like the next interviewer gets the answers to the previous <laughs> interviewer's question. <Yeah. laughs> like I've always had this delay. It would be really interesting to string it all together and see see or or maybe I'll answer somebody as best as I can and then I realize you know what I actually don't think that I think the opposite <laughs> of that and so I correct it in the next interview um so it's I guess it's like a living breathing art piece <laughs> mm. yeah in a way it's like the, the 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 performance aspect of being in this industry doesn't necessarily just stop you know once the album's out um and some of it is sort of figuring out the machinations of that so i'm very happy to have you here as part of that extended story so thank you thanks jeremy um so yeah so it's been uh i wrote my notes a few days ago for this and i and i wrote uh that before home before and after had come out almost a year ago to the day i think we've actually passed that by a day or two now um, have we see if i was a really <laughs> if i was a really good modern person i would have you know had an entire uh post about that or right. something whatever people do <laughs> oh wait no i'm wrong i have it further down in my notes june 24th that'll be the year oh okay so, so you didn't I still miss have it. time i didn't miss it so thank you for this so actually <clears throat> how about i don't have a record coming out but we're talking to celebrate the year anniversary yes happy one year <laughs> We have we're, we have the perfect setting now. Yeah, we're having a little birthday party. Yeah. So with it being a year, and I know that no one, least of all us, understands time any more than we used to, or maybe less now, as we said. Um, how are you feeling about home before and after? You know, I usually get to ask that when they're like, Oh, I've been sitting on it for six months and it's no one's heard it yet. But now 
we've all heard it and you've been touring pretty extensively. So, so how are you feeling about it one year, one year on? I think that, you know, well, I mean, it's to be completely honest, you know, most people, I, I think I'm probably fall deeply into the majority. We work so hard to make the record and we listen to it so much and every, every breath, every, every single thing has been sort of thought about and run over and smoothed by your mind and by, you know, work that you never really listen to it again. I mean, Mm -hmm. I, I haven't actually listened to it, but what I, what I have been living with is playing the songs live. Right. And um, this year I have been doing the song solo and, mm. and, and I made the record in a very soul. I mean, in a, in a lot of ways, it's been very much a continuation of, um, cause I recorded it at the height of COVID while pregnant. And mm. so I was very away from people. I never even stepped foot into a control room. It was the most opposite way I have ever made a record. And uh, John Congleton and I would have these sessions that were, you know, hours long where we would listen simultaneously and do the very, very kind of brutal work of like at two minutes and 30 seconds and, you know, five mm-hmm. milliseconds, that <laughs> breath that, you know, should come down like one DB, you know, it's just, you know, things like that, you know, which is like the craziest way to kind of think about art and go back and forth. And in another way, it was so freeing and it was so exciting to work in this very, like some things about it were super, super crazy and other things were incredibly natural and fun. Mm-hmm. And, and, and then, but my experience of the songs and then recording them was alone and then touring them has been alone and it has been kind of amazing because, mm-hmm. um, first of all, I, I'm just constantly amazed by the people that come to my shows. Like my audience are, they, they just, I don't know if they know this, <laughs> but like, I would <laughs> like for them to know this, but they, they really give me so much that I, I can't even believe it. Like, I'm always wondering, am I giving them as much as they're giving me? You know, it's, it's such a beautiful relationship and their vibe and the feeling that I get playing those songs. You know, I think that the most you can ever hope for in this world, as far as, you know, uh, making art is that you feel like you're useful, like maybe Mm -hmm. even just as a person, you know, yeah. if you you feel like you're useful to someone, then and I know that I'm useful in my life. Like I feel like I am useful to the people that I love and who love me, and I'm useful to my family, and I feel very useful to my friends. And you know, you want to be used. You don't want to just you know rot away. Yeah. And I feel like they just make me feel. They make the songs feel so useful to them like when I play it and they're catching it in this loving way and they're happy when a song starts and I guess one of the sort of beautiful experiences with this record has been that when I start playing a song from this record 
the kind of excitement and the gladness and the sort of applause that come at the recognition at the beginning of, oh yeah, that song mm-hmm. is, it just sits as comfortably and as happily with the recognition of a lot of their already very familiar older songs. Mm-hmm. And then also some of these songs, they helped me reconnect with because they kept them alive for me, you know, like, yeah, there was a, like we will do it. We will be talking about that. <laughs> that is, you know, just that alone. How, how yeah. beautiful, because I, I don't, first of all, I would have never remembered them or mm-hmm. about them. And, and then to, to have them kind of carry the music for, you know, a good, I don't know how many years I'm bad at math, but because we, you know, time but we but a good 18 years probably some of it I don't know where they really kept the song you know on life support (laughs) till we could like wake (laughs) up you know it was very beautiful yeah and that's kind of one of the lovely things too because I mean we'll 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 get into that that topic in a a bit because I am curious about all that you know I've been listening to your work for quite a while as well. And there are some of those older songs that we, the fans or whoever it is, maybe it's not me personally, but the fans do keep alive through this fastidious archiving and, and survival. And somehow it's like, they've found you again. Mm-hmm. And now you get to play them for people who've been like longing to hear them in the, in this setting. So that must be sort of a, a very strange, beautiful thing. Yeah, it's incredible because it actually becomes, you know, it's like a collective, I don't know, it's like a collective effort. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> and no, yeah, for sure. Really, and that's really, I mean, you know, it's, that's, um, I, I'm always amazed by people who can keep a tremendous amount of things at their fingertips, you know, people who can who know all of their songs and somebody can yell out a request and they can Mm -hmm. just play a song or really anybody's. I mean, I have friends who can, um, who can play anything. Brad Mm -hmm. Whiteley, who um, played with me on many tours in my band. I mean, he just has all of this music and that he can just play and it could be classical and it could be jazz and it could be pop. He just knows Mm-hmm. it all and he could just recall it I cannot relate to that at all <laughs> and and one of the things that my mind does and I don't know if it's just kind of how I have to live in order to write new music but it completely empties itself of old songs and sometimes mm-hmm. people don't understand like they just won't believe me that oh like you can't just play the song you've played literally thousands of times today. And mm-hmm. I will, I will fall off a cliff. I won't know the next line. I won't know the next <laughs> chord. I have to sort of before every tour, put it all back into my body. And I sit there like, like uh, getting, you know, going on YouTube and yeah. finding like things and I study and I pause yeah. and I go oh yeah that's what I say next or and and sometimes I even think of it as she like I'll go what mm. does she say next you know <laughs> it's so strange that our minds are um are just all so unique 
which is mm. the beauty of this world. I mean, how, how good is it that we're all so different? Mm-hmm. Um, but that's one of the things that I realized is that I, I really need that external archive. Like if, if tomorrow the internet was down forever and all of my records were gone and, you know, I don't know how much I would actually, I would probably <laughs> write a lot of new things. Um, but I, I don't know how much I would actually retain. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of interesting. Cause you'd be like at a show and, and someone would shout out a relatively sort of common popular song of yours. You'd be like, sorry, I don't. Yeah. I didn't I practice that one. <laughs> <laughs> and they would just think, you know, I, I really do hope people believe me. I'm, surely telling Uh, them the truth that they don't want to hear it because I will just be, it'll just be mistakes. Mm. So if I see you and I just shout out like buildings, you'll be like, no. (laughs) Yeah. Oh yeah. Especially that's a really deep cut. (laughs) (laughs) That's a really deep, deep cut. I'd really have to practice that one. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So you've been touring the album a lot, mostly alone. You recorded it mostly alone, if not entirely, really your parts alone. But I am curious about what went into the record for you. So home before and after it, it feels like, I mean, it was a few years on from, um, remember us to life. And so it kind of, it doesn't have that whole, like, well, we just heard an album from you, like continuation thing. It is sort of like its own ecosystem. So I am curious what, went into it for you especially if you were writing and recording it alone like what were some of the general themes or motivations that you wanted to try and communicate this time around you know I think everything you said it's almost like not how I ever think of any record <laughs> even, <laughs> That's even fair. though it's like a very it's like a very noble beautiful way I just don't think it's um I don't think, yeah, I don't think I've ever thought of any record like Mm. in the big picture sort of thing. I don't have um, agenda in that way. I really do feel like, um, you know, I write songs and they all come from these different moments or different kind of like they sprout out from different ideas and and sometimes it's like something that I will have maybe seen or read or overheard. And sometimes it's 50 different things spanning my entire life that have collected into some kind of a something that becomes a song. I'm always surprised by it. And, and I really, um, when I start out to make a record, I never know what's going to be on it. Mm -hmm. And then it kind of just um whatever it's like very very instinctive it's almost like the way that you hear like cats who go out into the wild they will just like they'll eat a little bit of this flower and then they'll find (laughs) this grass you know it's very like it kind of has its own way of finding itself and I'll just sort of try and either somehow a song has snuck back into my consciousness before I start and like an old song that I haven't had a relationship with for a while, but it has been sort of knocking at my door maybe for a year or two years. And that, Mm. that one gets to go in. Um, Usually the newest thing also gets to go in (laughs) the very, very, you know, and then as far as the in between, it's like, 
I just sort of have faith. I try, I don't think of it as a record as a whole. I think mm-hmm. of it what's right for this song. And then I just sort of do whatever I can for the songs. And then when I have the collection of songs, I sort of have this faith and they usually tend to find this order, this sequence among themselves where they really, all of a sudden, it feels like a record. And there's mm-hmm. this moment and it like, and it feels like, oh, and usually I come up with like the title of it, like seven years earlier. And it's just <laughs> in my head and I have no idea what songs are going on it or what it sounds like or anything, but the title just kind of sits there like this sneaky little basket that's like waiting for things to go into it. Or maybe like a huge whale that's got its mouth open and it's just sucking <laughs> things in. I don't know. But it's really, it's all very instinctive and not very thought out at all. Mm-hmm. And I'm never like, oh, this is sort of my concept or my thesis or my plan, or I sort of, I, I, I hear people talk about that. And I'm always amazed at that the same way that you marvel at somebody who, you know, is just so different from you and you're like, amazed wow like really you know yeah (laughs) like somebody who like stays up all night and is just like their their best work is done at 2 a.m i'm always like (laughs) really because my body (laughs) you know my body's ideal bedtime is like 9 p.m and i have been overriding it my (laughs) whole life you know yeah (laughs) but but uh you know you're just like wow but but yeah i think that so in that way I never put out a record that doesn't feel like, oh my God, this, I'm so excited about this. This is a real record. You know, I made a real record. It's complete. I'm so happy. It, it, it like, it came alive. You know, it just, it's like, it's almost like the Pinocchio thing where it's like the record really only comes alive, like just a few seconds before everybody hears it. It just kind of magically like, you know, you know, wakes up and I always have faith that it will. But other than that, it's just like a pile of pieces of like, oh, here's a wooden shoe and here's a wooden nose. (laughs) (laughs) And it's just laying in the corner. Like it's going to be something. (laughs) That makes sense though. Um, And it's a, it's a very astute metaphor for that kind of thing, I suppose. Um, So, so then if you don't have sort of overriding concepts going into a record, um, I would like to pick apart for a minute, just one song then, um, the Spaceland fairy tale song, which is, I believe your longest song, I think. Oh, yes. Um, Um, uh, yes. Space time fairy tale is, um, space time fairy tale. Yeah. yeah. No, no worries. Um, it's, I think it's, is it over nine minutes? I've definitely. It's around there. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it is, it is my longest song I've ever written. And I, well, I actually, do you know about, do you know Pioneer Works? Um, It sounds familiar. Yeah. So it's this incredible space in Red Hook, Brooklyn. And um, actually I just went um, uh, to their, to their big, Fet, their gala, but they're mm. raising they're raising money right now for they want to make the the first public observatory. 
uh, of, of space and stars, but it's this incredible sort of artist space um, in Red Hook, Brooklyn. Hmm. And, and like, they, they have this dream of connecting, you know, taking artists and musicians and then scientists and engineers and, and tech people and kind of taking them all out of their bubbles and kind of bringing them together uh, to help create sort of that connection between philosophy and poetry and science and, you know, and and um, space study, which really happens a lot because when you read science books or books about time, it's almost like when the scientists run out of things that they can describe, they just go to all the poets. <laughs> and every time the poets and the musicians run out of things, they just go to the sciences. Um, so we all just keep, you know, uh, switching places. Yeah. But they they were doing um, this thing that they do, which which is called universe and verse, and it was um, uh, uh, they were reading poetry written by scientists, and I was invited to be a part of it. Um, and just through talking about these things, I started writing that song, and I had this idea that I was gonna write a song about, you know, space time and, and, and all that. And I was going to play it at the show where it made sense mm -hmm. <laughs> because that was the topic. Yeah. And usually, you know, in my imagination, there are two categories of music, right? There's like the music that just kind of comes. And most of my music is just that it just sort of bubbles up from God knows where and appears. And I'm just very happy to have it. Mm -hmm. And then there's also what I call homework music. And that's <laughs> when, <laughs> and I, I really love that too, because it, it it's always something that wouldn't exist without the right. assignment. And yet I, I love these songs very, very much. So like something for when I did, you've got time for mm -hmm. Orange is the New Black, that was homework music, but it was, but, it, but, the thing about it or like doing the call for Narnia that's homework music it's like when somebody shows you their art and you get this homework and you can either do it or you can't yeah and so a lot of the songs that I love very much they come from this homework place um and and so I was like oh I'm gonna do a homework music assignment and I'm gonna make a science song and of course you know, the song started to become bigger and longer and more complicated. And it was definitely not done anywhere near when um, they needed it. I couldn't even play it once without making mistakes. So I played mm -hmm. other songs. Um, but that kind of idea sort of started started the thread of it. But then everything, you know, it's kind of you can have an agenda, you know, and if you follow it closely, then then instead of art, you know, you've made propaganda, you know, mm. you've made you've made a song about a thing that you want to make a song about, you know, <laughs> but yeah. but if you want to but if you want to try and make something really real, whatever that means, then you can have a jump off point of something, but then it has to start 
taking over and it does whatever it wants and you're kind of there to just be along for the ride and so that song got really big and really long and then when I was doing the residency on Broadway I was just so interested in doing things that felt like an homage to the things that I love about Broadway that Mm. I invited my friend Caleb Teicher and and you know they're an amazing tap dancer so all of a sudden uh you know these instrumental parts grew longer and longer and you know Caleb was doing tap and so then by the time I was recording the record even though it was not on stage anymore and you didn't have the visuals of any of that you didn't have the sort of spectacle of it the tap had to be there (laughs) it was just how I heard the song so then um so then the song really is this kind of, it really spans all kinds of interesting places and has still has tap in it. I don't know if that answers your question, Jeremy, but. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't know that I had much of a question. To you were honest. just like. I just wanted to know more. <laughs> You're like, space time, go. Yeah, let's talk about it. No, I wanted to know more because it's, it is, you know, I'm always curious about those kinds of things where the song is so much longer than the artist's usual fare. And mm-hmm. it felt like there was more to it than it just simply being a long song so yeah I mean you answered my curiosities we could say yeah um is is uh is Caleb the one who tap danced with you on Colbert for the prisoners yes version because I remember watching Um, that yeah no Caleb and I have been doing these kind of um collaborations now for a few years ever since um Ben Folds invited both of us on the same night to participate Mm. in in his declassified series where it was um, at the Kennedy Center with the National Symphony Orchestra. And it was very, very dreamy for me. I mean, I love all things classical and orchestra. And, Mm -hmm. you know, you you say the words classical and orchestra and I'm there, (laughs) unless, you know. Um, And and so uh, Caleb was doing this piece that was for tap and orchestra and it was a premiere of a piece and you know just when I met them I was like and and uh, we just had an instant kind of I love what you do and mm-hmm. you know I love what you do let's do something you know and and uh, we've sort of been trying to sneak around and figure out how to be you know make art together ever since <laughs> so lovely though yeah it really is it really is and it reminds me watching um you know thinking back to watching you two um on the show it reminded me a little bit of sort of the almost vaudevillian aspect of your early shows yes you know like that pared down whatever makes a sound let's do it that kind of thing yes that's, I, you know what, I haven't really thought of that, but it just makes so much sense. And even, I don't know, like, I have this huge love affair with this kind of, um, like, jazz standards and all this music that I basically discovered when I was in college. And I really sort of understood how much that music influenced me when I went back and did the 20-year 11-11 anniversary box set because I, I went 
back and listened to these shows that I didn't know had existed that my dad had recorded. And I was like, wow, all I really was like loving was like jazz and blues. And I was just drunk on it, you know? Mm-hmm. And, <clears throat> and of course, you know, the musicals that I love the most are all those like early, um, early American musicals. And so much of that is, has tap and these fun, imaginative sound effects where, you know, if you watch a Fred Astaire movie or something, or Gene Kelly, they have used all parts of the animal. They have hit or stepped or thrown or, Mm. you know, on every single thing. They're so imaginative with how they um, bring out sounds and what they engage with. Um, Yeah, it's just really, I, I find it very kindred. Yeah, seriously, it is. Um, so you, yeah, you mentioned the 1111 box set. We'll get there momentarily, but I, I am curious, uh, to ask, you know, we mentioned your old songs and with this record specifically, I think the two big, you know, oldies here are raindrops and loveology. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I remember I, I was lucky enough and, and happy enough that you came to new Haven for your solo tour, your very mm-hmm. brief solo run. Um, before this record came out and you played Loveology and it was lovely. And um, I just remember those like first notes coming out and like you could hear sort of the collective, like, <gasps> like the gasping moment, I um, know that... you know, and I, that must feel so specific and special. And um, mm-hmm. because especially songs like that, that are so old for you, but that also means they're old for a lot of us, you know, and we've yeah. been holding on to them. So I'm, I am wondering how you landed on on these two. Like, what was it about these two that you thought it was time to drag them back out of the closet? Well, you know, that feeling, by the way, is so beautiful for me. And mm. it just, it's like, it's so, um, what's the word? I guess it's like so welcoming, you mm. know? and so warm it's like when you have that when you hear that little gasp and it's like it just makes you feel like so i don't know like invited you know right right um you know back to that word useful you're like oh my god i'm gonna be so fucking useful right now (laughs) (laughs) you're like this is it's happening (laughs) it's happening i'm being used um And it's very, it's very, very lovely. But, Mm. um, but what was interesting is like, so I have to thank Jack because, because people would, you know, every, I try really hard uh, to sort of, you know, I'm not as good as many other people, but I try to be as in touch with my audience as I can through different Mm -hmm. ways. And one of the things that I try to do is like, when I do go out on a tour, I do try to sort of find out, well, are there, is there overwhelmingly like a certain kind of song that feels right to people right now, or that they would want to hear or something that they've missed that maybe I haven't been playing. And so I kind of put out the word. And what's interesting is that forever, like for years, every once in a while, somebody would call it out at a show I'd be like, really? What? <laughs> or, or like people would write it down as like a song they'd want to hear. Mm-hmm. 
And it would just keep coming up as like, and the requests. And I was, and I was always like, oh, I, I don't even know how to play that. Why, why would they want that? It's like so old. And one day, I think it was like, I think it was before I did, you know, this run of solo shows in 2018, where I hadn't done solo shows since, you know, I don't know, 2004 or five or something like that. Right. And then, and, and it wasn't in my mind to do them. And then I sort of, it was again, Jack, who was like, well, you know, there's a lot of these songs that people are asking for. They're all like kind of your solo songs. Like maybe you could just play, you know, see what it feels like to play a show. And I was like, I don't know. Like, it's so fun to play with musicians. And it mm -hmm. is, you know, but it was, I just got curious I was like can I even do that will that even feel good like and then it felt amazing because it was just its own thing it was like com something completely different it's almost yeah. like doing two different jobs you know and you're like oh wow I thought I only knew how to do one job but I actually knew how to do <laughs> two you know um and and it was just a, such different songs that would never get real estate because I just wouldn't play them I, it would be like a waste of of having the band there and I would just choose absolutely different songs um, based on who was there and the yeah. colors that I had to play with. But all of a sudden when it was just the me, it was like, Oh, well now I have more real estate for this. So yeah, I could play these five songs that I never, ever, ever play. And that's actually really fun. Um, and he, he said one day, he was like, you know, what is this Lavology song that everybody keeps asking for? And then he just oh, had, went had and like, you not heard it? No, no. He just because <laughs> I never played it, you know, right, since right. we had, you know, in all the time that we were together. And and then he went online and listened to like, I guess, an old recording. Oh, there's he, so many old recordings. Yeah, and he was like, You have to go, you have to Aww. learn the song and play it on the solo show. And, and he told me, yeah, he told me what other song? Oh, he told me to like play Love Affair again. Like I, I, there was a bunch of songs that I like was like figured out just because he was like, why don't you just do this? And it's going to make people have like fun. Like they want to hear this just, you know, because sometimes I get kind of like, oh, I don't know how to do it. And I get kind of intimidated. <laughs> and, and honestly, I can't tell if it's like, some kind of an underlying emotional thing or just plain laziness. I don't know. <laughs> like it's just like feels daunting, you know? And I'm like, I'd rather write a new song, you know, than figure out, spend hours figuring out how to do this old song. Um, but then when I did, all of a sudden, it was the strangest thing where it was like felt so um I don't know, like I hesitate to use this word because it's gonna sound really fucking pretentious but it just felt like it felt like kind of healing to play mm. it and I was like oh my god like this feels really good to play it just felt like almost like sometimes this thing happens where you start to play a song and it just feels so wrong in the body like mm -hmm. everything like it, the words won't come out of my mouth like the, the the nothing about it feels right and that's when I know like Oh, I'm not going to play the song for like years. It just, right. or it doesn't feel right right now for sure. And then other times you start to play something that you haven't played in years. And all of a sudden it's just like, 
it's like finding that exact vitamin that you're that you needed and it's like because that's the interesting thing about these songs is like and I don't know if people realize this or like they kind of help me get through life too. <laughs> like yeah. they, you know like I I kind of like sometimes I need them you know some of them like in a really big way like um so it was just it felt so good and so right then then I added it uh I played it a little bit on solo stuff then I played it as part of Broadway and I put you know there was this beautiful string arrangement on mm -hmm. it um that um the violist that I play with Beth Myers made that was so lovely and we just worked on it and I remember we did it. Yeah, I think we did it on Seth Meyers. Yeah, as part of yeah. like before Broadway came. And it was just, it was this funny thing where it was like such an old song, but it just felt so new. And I had, I, it almost felt like it had lived on a record forever, except that it hadn't. Yeah. <laughs> and then I think because it had become this part of my life again, thanks to people who, you know, recorded it and bootlegged all those years ago. And, generously shared it online so that even I could have access to it <laughs> and relearn it, you know? And yeah. then I was like, you know what? I want to do that for them. Like I want to, if I'm able to, like if I'm able to do a version that feels right, I want to put it on a record. And yeah. because I was able to do that, I I was able to do it. But I have that with some other songs where I will really want the song to exist, you know, in a, in some kind of an official state. And for whatever reason, I cannot seem to get it just so, and I always have to let it go and it does not live on a record. Yeah. Um, and I try like from record to record. What's like one that sticks out for you? Oh, uh, well, I have, I have this song and I actually, um, it has had the strangest path. I wrote it. <laughs> um, I have this song. Um, you probably haven't heard of it because it's kind of, I played it so few times in, but it's called Ink Stains. Yeah, I don't think I do. And I, I don't think I know that one. Yeah, it's a, it's this song that I wrote. Um, I think I was probably I don't know I was I probably was 23 at the most maybe I was even younger mm. and it 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 kind of usually I have no idea where my songs come from but this one I knew exactly where it came from and it was and it and it was so filled uh, it came from a combin uh, so I turned on NPR in my little apartment in Soho that was like the size of a shoebox. <laughs> and and it was and in in passing this very warm um you know I don't remember now who the host was of what and what show it was, but they just said something, 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 a well known a well-known Holocaust denier. Mm. And I had never heard of the concept before. Right. I was just like, you know, like the, I was 
so shocked by the idea. And then, of course, I listened to these like, you know, disgusting ideas that this person was putting forward. Um, But it was Mm. just like unbelievable um, to me. It was so shocking. I just because I knew so many Holocaust um, survivors. I also knew so many people in my family who did not survive. I I was surrounded by a community that was everybody had somebody. And, and, uh, I spent my childhood in the Bronx, you know, and in, in going to my yeshiva, once we immigrated, we would have Holocaust survivors speak at our school all the time. Mm-hmm. And it was just such a big part of my life that I sort of, because I'd grown up in this bubble, I sort of just didn't even know into my twenties that this was a thing that denying that it existed was a thing. Yeah. Um, and, and, and I, I just, I was so hurt. And then I was so angry. And I went and I, you know, to my little keyboard that I had, and I just wrote the song and the song is called ink stains. And I really, really wanted to put it on a record ever since then. Mm. I, I remember I remember playing it um like I I think I just couldn't play it for the first couple of years because it was just too raw and I just yeah. didn't want to play it for anybody. Um and then I remember playing it for David when we were recording Begin to Hope and it just, I really, I, I couldn't get it right. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I, and, and he really loved what we had, but to me, it was just like completely wrong. Like everything mm-hmm. about the delivery was wrong because I, I had this mysterious vision of it, mysterious to me. And I, I didn't know what it was, but I know it when I had it, you know, and right. it, that's sort of what it was always been like with every song where it's like, fuck, I really want this song on a record, but I just, I didn't get it. No matter how many times I tried, I just didn't get it. Yeah. And, um, and then it would just kind of live with me. And every time, including this last record, I sort of would like prepare, I would relearn it. I would kind of get it back into my body. And I just could not figure out how to do it. And also even when I would sort of imagine that, let's say I got it just so, where on the record could I put it? It's like such a, you can't end on it. You can't start on it and you can't put it in the middle. Nothing can come before it and nothing can come after it. It's just like, it's like an impossibility, you know, like it's, it's such a, it's such a difficult song to, to find a place for. And Mm. so I kind of struggled with it. And then a few years ago, um, Jack, my husband, and our friend Daniel, who has been collaborating with us, uh, Daniel Ryan, he's a director, a wonderful director, film and music videos and things like that. And he, we started making this film about my piano teacher's husband, Samuel Martyr, who's a Holocaust survivor. 
And, and we didn't even, it wasn't even like a knowing thing where we started to officially make a film. We just, we just wanted to capture some interviews with him because he does this work where he goes into schools and talks about the dangers of prejudice. And even though he was this really wonderful and renowned violinist in his, in his life, and he's a child Holocaust survivor, but he has told me that this is the most important work that he has ever done in his life. You know, talking mm. to kids about prejudice and the dangers of it. And so we just tried in our own very, we don't know what we're doing <laughs> way, yeah. uh, start to capture it. And then I remembered about this song and I just really wanted to play it for him. So we actually it's all these years the song has been unable to exist anywhere but it's going to find its its home in this movie mm. so it's interesting what what paths sometimes these songs take i mean i hope that i hope we do a good job and are able to complete the movie because it's uh, making making films is such hard work so much oh, yeah. more involved and and so much more expensive and so much more complicated than anything I've ever encountered in music. Mm -hmm. But because it's a, you know, because it's a labor of love, I'm just so passionate about, um, about it. And it's mm. so important right now, you know? Yeah. Uh, but, but basically that's like an example of, of, of a song that just can, could never find a home, but I have many, many other songs for many other reasons, much less heavy than this is probably the most complicated <laughs> one I've ever tried to reckon with. But, yeah. um, but I have, I have just so many other songs that I, I'm always like, well, what are you going to surprise me with? Where are you going to find a home? <laughs> you know, yeah. sometimes they think like, well, if they exist, they're just going to be alive in some way. And, and some of them might just be alive on the internet, you know, in this yeah. kind of, um, kind a uh, very you know recorded at the back of the bar way <laughs> yeah and i mean that's that's okay in its own way yeah i mean that's that's how songs like Lavology lived i mean i don't know how aware you were of uh regina specter.net um, oh i was very aware because i would go and look if i needed right? to make a set list or if i wanted to know what the <laughs> hell i wrote I would yeah. go and I would, I was amazed at that. Oh my gosh. It's, I, a, it's a trove. <laughs> I, I just, it's still live by the way. That, and you know, that makes me so happy and I have no idea who made it, but like, yeah, I'm so grateful because that's where I first heard it. It's just, yeah, there's, I would go. And when I was looking for those kind of like, what song can I sneak in that would make people like who are, in that club who care mm -hmm. about the deep cuts and mm -hmm. who are like, cause I always, you know, I, in my own way would try to kind of make something special for those people. Cause they're like the, they're like the heart of the whole thing. You know, they're yeah. sort of like so deep in it and so care so much that they, they, you know, they have a whole other place yeah. in, 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 in in that world and 
I would always try to find like a sneaky song. Go, this would make them happy. This would make them happy, <laughs> you know. And so that's where I would go searching. Would be like because yeah. I would be like, what the hell have I written? I should probably just sit down and make a list from that in a notebook or something. Just because I don't even have, I don't even have an extensive list. But you know, I had that when I um. I know you said you were going to bring up the box set thing later, but it just I. Oh, we, we yeah, which we will now, yeah. Yeah, but you know, it's like. When when I was trying to just, you know, be like, well, it's been 20 years of 11-11 and it was, you know, I made it in college. I was 20. You know, I there's there was no, you know, people didn't walk around with phones. There was nothing, nobody recording that I was like, how do I make a special thing if I don't have any photos from that era of myself or any footage of myself? And then all of a sudden my dad was like. I came and I recorded all your shows on a camcorder. Yeah. I was like, of course my dad, you know, he, of course he <laughs> did. And, but when I listened to those songs, when I tell you that I had no recollection of the song until the moment that it was starting. On and the main then, album? Uh, of, 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 no, of all the, on the Papa's bootlegs. Oh, okay. Okay. You know, it was like song after song after song of where it was like, I would have never, ever even had an inkling of what it was. But then as soon as it would start, I would just remember that it exists. Yeah. But I wouldn't remember anything else about it. <laughs> I wouldn't remember the name. I mean, I was just making up names for these songs based on, you know, because I, I had no idea what their original names were. Mm -hmm. There was only a few that I was like, oh, yeah, that one. Yeah. Um, but it was just so crazy to realize that you can you can write and then forget that much stuff. And so it really makes me now be like, whatever I think I'm going to remember, just know that I won't. So, <laughs> you know, yeah. write it down <laughs> or record it or something. And there were so many songs from that time that I didn't you know, record, you know, on a cassette, which is probably how I practiced these in the first place. Mm -hmm. And I just forgot them. I would write them and forget them. And, yeah. and, um, but maybe that's okay. You know, it's like art compost or something. They're <laughs> <laughs> just like going back into the soil. Right. It's like a weird art cycle. I yeah, guess. exactly. Exactly. Right. I forget. Um, Quick story aside, um, when I, the way I and it ties into eleven eleven kind of, but the way I first discovered your music, I think Soviet Kitsch had just come out, but but the the Us music video hadn't like hit the you know the MTV the VH1 rotations yet. Mm -hmm. um, but my uh, older sister was at a show of yours, I guess probably in Connecticut, maybe New York, where you opened for the Dresden Dolls. Yeah. And uh, that was back in the days where they had like their troupe of like performers yes. that would come with them. Yes. And mm -hmm. she came to one dressed as a giant caterpillar. Oh. And, <laughs> and uh, she brought home a songs CD, like a legitimate one that you were selling at the show. Wow. Um, and I was like, what? in the living hell <laughs> is this? Cause like, cause I was like 12. I was like, what is this? And oh, I was that like, is, and then it's like, of course. And, and those songs, yeah. Yeah. If they hit you at 12, that's like, Oh yeah. Out 
Yeah, those um, especially especially songs. But then because yeah. of songs, and then Soviet Kitsch kind of entering my uh, my life at that time, and then I found Eleven Eleven. I don't know if it was Regina Spector.net or some weird bootleg, but I found Eleven Eleven. And so that was kind of what made me go, wow, like I, there's a lot to dig into here. So I was very, very happy. And I'm sure a lot of us were that the box set was coming out because I know people have been bugging you online probably and in yes, person well, that's for many thing. years, I right? I know. When and, are we getting it official? I know. And it was like, it's so, yeah, it really, I mean, and that was like this wonderful slash torturous thing because- yeah. I felt so like I had so grown out of that and mm-hmm. yet I wanted so much to establish, you know, what I really felt like at the time. So I didn't, I had this fear of like, you know, when something's out there, it's like, you know, you heard, let's say songs record mm-hmm. and, and, but you know, if songs record and Soviet kitsch and begin to hope have the same real estate, and you have no idea of what I am now. Like it was, I, as as the musician, it just really was was bugging me because I felt like, oh, I was so embarrassed of eleven eleven at that yeah. time. You know, and yeah, it, you it write kind that. Of you write me, that in the notes. Yeah, it did, and it was like this whole well, exactly like this whole process, this healing process where I forgave her and thanked her. I was like. <laughs> you gave me my fucking life. <laughs> yeah. It must have been very, very weird to go back through that era. It was so weird. It was so weird. And it was, and it was also so wonderful, you know, because, mm-hmm. because it's like, you only get some of this stuff with perspective. And I don't know, I feel like, you know, I have so many friends who they, they they left so young you know um Mm -hmm. that to get any kind of time for any kind of perspective in this place is just a privilege you know and and so it was just this beautiful this beautiful circle that I got to actually see through but yeah all right well I'm seeing a note that we are just about out of time <laughs> oh. That's okay. It's fine. I had such a good time. Uh oh, thanks, we, o- we only got through about half my notes, which is <laughs> actually which is actually great because it means that we talked about a lot of things I wasn't anticipating, which I love. Oh, um great. so thank you very much, Regina. I really was very humbled and, and appreciative that you agreed to chat for an hour. Oh. Um I had a very, very, very good time talking to you. Thank you. Thanks so much. And how amazing I, I had when we began this conversation, I had no idea that you had that you went back so so far with it. And it just makes <laughs> me happy. I I just didn't know. Um, yeah. So that's really special for me. Thank you. Thanks. <laughs> Bye. Bye.